Are we recording currently? Oh, <laughs> shit. You're so sneaky with that record button. <laughs> well, here we are in the living room of our apartment. It's pretty cool. It's very, mm-hmm. a lot of tripping hazards, but it's kind of cozy. So that's nice. Cushions everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Sitting on our brand new couch, which <laughs> we've been sitting on these, those cushions on the floor for like a year now. We got rid of our couch like right at the beginning of COVID, I think. And so we were just been sitting on cushions on the floor like bohemian people i guess <laughs> anyway. it's the neighborhood you live in <laughs> it is. so we were really excited we ordered this couch and then it had to you know because everything is backed up forever and always we waited for two months to get this couch wow. we're very excited it's it's beautiful and floral and it's really bringing some life into this room unfortunately when the folks got here to deliver it they were like uh, they didn't put legs in the box. So <laughs> it's a couch in our living room and it's really lovely and comfortable and sure. wonderful, but it's on the floor. So we really haven't moved up in the world <laughs> quite oh, yet. Lateral move. It was like a lateral move. It was move. a lateral move. <laughs> With a little bit of stability, like a little bit more stability, yes. but like a lateral move. <laughs> yep. So, so annoying. It, it's a joy bird. So just Ooh. keep it in mind, guys. Uh, <laughs> Ooh. We don't have the joy, but I got a bird for him. <laughs> that was good. All right. Good job. That was good. <laughs> Thank you. Gather around. Gather around. Let's talk country. Hello and welcome, listeners, to another episode of the Let's Talk Country podcast. I am here with my mother slash co-host. Hey, yeah, Mary Lynn. And then today... In addition to being in a different place, we also have our first guest. Welcome, Elliot. Y'all, how you doing? (laughs) So good. Now that you're here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, totally. This is amazing. Um, This is actually your second time on Mm -hmm. our podcast, but no one's ever going to hear the first time because we didn't really know what we were doing at that point. Our producer is wonderful and magical, but uh, we decided to scrap that first rambling conversation with you because we figured out the format that we wanted. So we are so incredibly grateful to you for coming back and being willing to redo the whole thing. Yeah, it's it's fun. I had a good time last time, too. So excellent. That's I knew it would be goal. a good time. Uh, let's see. Where are we going first? So when I meet somebody new. Almost every time, one of the first get to know you topics that comes up is our respective music tastes. I've had a lot of weird jobs, met a lot of folks from a lot of different walks of life, and a lot of them have been country music fans. And you, Elliot, are one of my very favorite people that I have met and discussed music with. We're very excited to be able to talk about some stuff with you today. Oh, me too. I'm really excited. Good. Well, one of the incongruities we keep encountering is that country music fans are incredibly diverse, right? In terms of their political affiliation, their gender identity, sexuality, et cetera, et cetera. But mainstream country music continues to very narrowly focus on themes of jingoism. It's married to the gender binary and has all this compulsive heteronormativity just everywhere in it, right? So basically what we're finding is that a lot of people love country music, but country music doesn't always love us back. And part of the mission of this podcast is to talk to people who connect with country music on any level and just really drive home the point that even if we're not 
straight, white, cisgendered, able-bodied, America-loving Christians, we are still here. We are still country fans. We do think about this music. We want to talk back to it. We want to take it back for ourselves. We want to see our stories reflected in it. So it is really exciting to have you here to be our first guest and to kind of help us make a template as much as you can make a template for conversations like this. Elliot and I met working in a kitchen of a very popular Asheville tourist destination, which we will not name. (laughs) But that was like four or five years ago, right? Yep. About five years ago. That's really hard to believe that was that long ago. (laughs) Well, I know that you have great taste in socks. That is true. Thank you. Excellent taste in music. You are a musician yourself. I am. Uh, You're a fellow Southerner and a proud member of the working class. It is true. (laughs) And you're a political lefty. Am I right in saying that? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Putting it mildly. No, I think big country is probably fine with all of the above, with the possible exception of being politically left. Yeah. But would you say that you're a person who, who loves country music? Oh, yes. I feel like I am. Yes. I feel like country music has been there for me in times that no one has, but it's also, you know, not the, hasn't been the most welcoming, uh, I want to say genre, but yeah, the, the most welcoming, uh, fan base maybe, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, As far as people who aren't, you know, like you said, white, cisgendered and Christian, which is, um, I only fit into one of those categories, <laughs> which is white. I'm a transgender man. Being a trans man and liking or loving country music is very, it's challenging. It's, to say the least, it's challenging to have something that you love and it pretty much tell you that you're bad and pretty much rejecting you yeah. through their music, which is really, which is really interesting. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know that's historically true, but I, I wonder if that, if you're sensing a change, I know you were telling us about the concert you went to just recently and, oh, yes. and that's oh, yes. an open door that has been closed for a long time. Oh yeah. Yes. We went and saw Orville Peck and it was life-changing actually being able to go and see a openly queer gay man sing country songs about two truck drivers who love each other. All tales we may come, our eyes on the road. Nothing lasts forever, that's how it goes. Never thought I'd learn to love the snow. Breaker, breaker, break hearts, ten four, daddy Awesome. And just the people that were there and like being able to go and see like gay Southerners really not, you know, like not hiding and being able to be themselves. And I think that's like, that's what Orville Peck was saying the whole time was basically like, you know, y'all be yourselves. This is it. You're going to be good. And it was, yeah, it was a definitely a good pep talk. Most of the show was. Sounds like a good show. Oh, it was great. It was great. That is really wonderful i'm i'm sorry to have missed it but i'm so so glad that you were there oh it was so good so good (laughs) well and that was going to be my next question was you know does do you feel that country music loves you back and and if not why but that that pretty much covers it it's very well said 
I think it's falling back in love with me, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hopefully only going to get better. Yes. It's just a question of the speed at which that will happen. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's also bringing the faces, the queer faces of country music to the front. Sure. Even the writers and the producers and the stuff like that, being able to give queer people a voice. I think that's so important too. Yeah. Well, Elliot, when we worked together, you were highly respected in that kitchen as someone who knew how to talk about things, (laughs) (laughs) how to ask for people's pronouns, how to discuss gender or the right words to use, you know, things that are that are difficult for people sometimes to wrap their heads around. And while you definitely weren't the only person there who was educated about that stuff, people came to you for your advice because they knew that you wouldn't judge them or be mean to them. You you wouldn't take their bullshit, but you also wouldn't make people feel stupid for not knowing something. Mm -hmm. Do you find that that's a a role that you play a lot in your life? Has that been true at other jobs or was our workplace sort of uniquely in need of that? I think that as far as my work uh, life is concerned, that that place was probably the most I felt safe and felt empowered to just be myself and feeling backed up and also knowing that most of the people that worked there well, really all of the people if you were there for longer than a month (laughs) you were if you didn't know about it you were going to know about it and you were going to know about all the queers and how to ask for pronouns and how to how to respect people and I think that was really what I was focused on there, but I'd also encountered that as a young gay person, like a young queer person in the South of being like, oh, you're like a good gay. So I would get to the point where I could relate to people and they would talk to me and then they would be like, oh, I I like you even though or like regardless of and things like that. I feel like I have been able to talk to people throughout my life, but that job was it was fun and I felt good about it because people and people wanted to know. Like yeah. and the people that didn't want that didn't know wanted to know. And yeah, I think wanted that's to get it right. Yeah. And I think that's really important. Well, I think it's really special about you that you saw the spirit in which they were asking rather than the fact that they were asking. Because yeah. I think that a lot of times when you do know, you get a little bit on a high horse or mm-hmm. you can, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, yeah. oh, you're asking about that. OK, mm-hmm. you don't know how to ask for someone's pronouns. God. Or whatever, like mm-hmm. you misgendered that person. Uh, yeah. And and with you, it was just like, oh, no, we'll just get it right next time. Whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. So I think that was that was what was draw people drawn to about you was that you weren't going to make them feel small. I, I like to practice patience with people, especially when they don't understand when you can like see it in their face <laughs> and you're like, OK, yeah, you have no idea what I'm talking about. So we're going to start we're going to start pretty you know, pretty basic here. There was a lot of people that actually really wanted to get it right. And yeah. we're also really open to to criticism about it. And yeah. and I think that bringing that to people and not looking for a fight, not looking for a hill to die on. Sure. Just being like, we got to work together. Yeah. And that place was so tight that you really couldn't get away with, you really couldn't get away with being an asshole. Like it was just kind of hard, like somebody to get a hold of you. So it was, yeah. (laughs) That was the nice thing about that company's culture. The, the, the bright spot about that company's culture is that they really cared about the way that people treated each other. Yes. Of course, the, the bad part is that you are pretty much locked in a kitchen for (laughs) as many hours as you want to be. Exactly. (laughs) 
many as you'll stay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, all of that's kind of to say that like some of our former co-workers, country music would really benefit from your particular brand of non-judgmental but cut the shit pep talks. <laughs> I agree. So, <laughs> Actually, yes. Let, let's make that the goal for today. Yeah. <laughs> At yeah. least in part. I like that. No pressure. <laughs> it's your job to fix country music tonight. I'll take okay. it. <laughs> we only got 14 hours. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> on, on that note, though, if if big country was listening in to this interview, which of course they are, because why wouldn't they? Exactly. But if they if the the radio execs are are having ear in here, it's safe to say that you are not a big listener of the mainstream country radio. Is that correct? That that would be correct. Well, if if the folks that operate those stations and, and the country music machine were here, what could they have done, let's say 20 years ago or mm-hmm. even right now, to make you feel more seen, to keep you as a radio listener? I think that country music would have had to evolve a lot quicker than it has. And so I think that's one thing that it is doing is like it is evolving because there are people with voices that are loud now that, yeah, yeah, and that, you know, are queer and are, or at least working in allyship with the queer community. And I think that country music could, could have made room. Yes. They could have made a lot of room and they could have made a lot of room for a lot of a lot of different people. And I think they didn't make room. They didn't make enough room for queer people. They didn't make enough room for people of color, which started country music. You know, like it's, yeah. it's, it was very embracing capitalism and the patriarchy. I mean, and you, and you put it on art. Mm-hmm. I mean, it influences almost the entire world when you think about any music. Sure. It was always like a zero sum thing with you know it's like oh well if we give these people room then we take away the white cisgendered christian male songwriters even if they do outlaw country or whatever it's still the same brand and i think they would have gone a lot farther even i mean even if you're looking at for money i think they would have gone a lot farther if they'd have made a lot more room for people i think they've backed themselves into a corner and now they have to which i love cuz now it seems like i mean the butt of every joke or whatever you know it's it's very much the music of like republicans and the trump voters i think that's what comes to people's minds when they think of country music which is unfortunate mm-hmm. but yeah i mean yeah they i think you're right that they've painted themselves into a corner i don't think that they're necessarily feeling the hit the way that we wish that they would financially oh, well, and all yeah. but i mean it's got to come around i think sometimes it's like okay if y'all don't come around that's okay but at least i feel safe at a country music show yeah and i feel like i'm supporting something that would support me if i buy this shirt or record or whatever and even if the big execs are still on their white privilege high horse at least there's art going on yes and there's people that enjoy the art who can connect with it and then also connect with the childhood that they were told they couldn't they were told by country music that the that well, you're no longer welcome. So all that all that shit you went through as a southerner, you know, or whatever, they hushed a lot of people as well. It's interesting to to see it come around and hopefully I I mean I'm sure the money will come around to the right people. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure about that. Looks looking good at least. I like I like this optimism. I think it's because music is so important and because it shouldn't matter 
because if you don't have representation, like there are kids that can't, that can't find, that, that won't be able to connect with something that would maybe save their life or maybe open their mind to something else. And now you have queer adults who were raised in country music in that like subculture and they were told that they were not really allowed to be a part of that. And now that there are people like Brandy Carlisle and Jason Isabel and people who are standing up and saying stuff, they're like, oh, okay, like I have somebody on my side now. Somebody is fighting for me over there. So if I go to this show, I would not, it would not surprise me if Jason Isabel like threw somebody out of a show for doing something like homophobic or racist Mm -hmm. or something like that. So it's like now that you have that going on and you don't have people, well, you don't have everybody on the stage being like, that's how you're supposed to be. Yeah. It's not being praised. Yeah. So I think, and I think that's just another thing is like the violence behind it is not being, it's not being praised anymore. Yeah. I think you're right about that. Um, Certainly we've seen with, with folks like Morgan Wallen, Mm. he did not have the consequence. They tried to throw the book at him you know, well, tried in a very weak way. But I mean, within a couple of months, even a couple of days, he was back on some radio stations. But I think he still faces a lot. I mean, I still won't listen to his music. Mm-mm. And I know that a mm-hmm. lot of people feel the same way. I think we ought to interject here that Morgan Wallen used the N-word, not yeah. on the air, but I don't remember what the situation he was, was. outside of his own home. And he was speaking, I believe, to a person of color who was his friend. And he was drunk, 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 basically was shouting and being unruly in general and using the N-word and got caught on film. But yeah, thank you for, for the clarification. We, we've spoken about him before, but yeah, I mean, if folks aren't familiar, he uh, did that. And yeah, I mean, the consequences for him were not as severe as most people would have liked, but he did he did face a reckoning of, of mm-hmm. sorts mm-hmm. And, and people were very upset mm-hmm. And so he was taken to task for that more than maybe anybody ever has been before for doing that. Yes. Accountability is becoming a thing. We are now holding people a lot more accountable for things that they say and do. Mm -hmm. And I think that also the celebrity worship is a little less. And so if you're going to sit there and say, like, I'm just like you, Mm -hmm. you know, then you have to answer just like everybody else does. Right. And I think he did have to answer. And he's, I mean, he's a baby too. He's like 20. So, he's, yeah. yeah. And it's just, you're just like, oh, you just messed up. I hope that it does bring him around and maybe he'll understand why what he did was racist. And he is also carrying the responsibility of being a role model. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think that part of that maybe has sunk in, but time will tell. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, people people are being held more accountable. Space is being made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the table for other folks. There's people that are making space. Yes. Yeah. There's people with voices that are making space. And that's pretty much how you do it now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, let's get into a little bit of your musical history. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about when, where, and why you first started listening to country music. Well, I was inundated. <laughs> As a child. Yeah, I grew up in the swamp of North of Eastern North Carolina. Mm. And so it was country music was part of the culture. You know, it was played at football games. It was played at the gas station, you know, like everywhere. And 90s pop country was a thing. Mm -hmm. And so coming up being like 10 years old, like 92, and just being so in love with pop country and all of the ballads and things that were... (laughs) 
floating around. But I started, I think I started like actually listening when I was 12 or 13, but like I was around it all the time. And so it was something that I didn't even know was like a thing that other people did, like honestly didn't know about. Like, you I, I didn't know that optional. other people. Yeah, I didn't know that you had a choice. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, I thought you just had to. It's like, yeah. It wasn't even Lawrence Welk or Hee Haw. It was Hee Haw, wasn't it? Was it? Hee-haw, yeah. <laughs> it was just Hee Haw. Yeah, only. My next question, of course, is did you love it or hate it? <laughs> did I lo- what? Country music? Or? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I loved it. And well, I love to hate it and hate to love it sometimes. As you grow up, your relationship with it gets a little bit more complicated. Like everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and you do, you know, you do like get the, you know, you kind of the cloud, the clouds move from your eyes and you're like, oh, I, these people don't like me. Mm. Like actually. Do you remember a specific moment when that was starting to happen? Like, is there anything in particular that clued you in or was it just sort of a growing feeling? I think it's just being raised in a Southern Baptist church, being told blatantly that being gay, being queer is an abomination and you're going to go to like act like actually looking children in the face and telling them that they're going to hell. And so when these people who listen to the and endorse this music and then you kind of hear it echoed not maybe not verbatim, but you know that this this is these people. These are what these right. people believe. And I was probably in like eighth grade when I when I realized it was going to be like an actual problem. I was very optimistic and thought that you know people were like oh you know oh no it's not gonna be that big of a deal, and it really really was. Yeah. No. Totally. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about the the '90s music. You're talking Garth Brooks and oh yeah, who all else was out there for you then? John Michael Montgomery. Vince Gill was around. Give me just one more last before you say we're through. I know I drive you crazy, baby. It's the best that I can do. Vince Gill, Tim McGraw was just coming up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was a bison. Yeah, yeah. Daddy, please don't take the girl. Is John Michael Montgomery? He debuted. I swear. I swear. By the moon and the stars in the sky, I'll be there. Which, uh-huh. like every R and B artist, that was oh. across genres. It was everywhere. Mm-hmm. And yeah. now everyone has to walk down the aisle to that song at their wedding. Exactly. I think that's compulsory. I'll be there. Yeah, have to. Have to. <laughs> That's good to know. I, I wasn't familiar with that name, but of course we've all heard that song. So right as you're in middle school, that's when stuff starts getting real for you, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And it was, and it was just more and more isolating and more and more like nowhere to go. You don't go to the church because you can't go to, you really can't go to church anymore because you have to get right with God before you get back, before you can go back. Oh, no. Yeah. The places that you went for safety just kind of like melted away and it was a lot of hateful people who listen to country music and you're like well you know screw it then fuck it i'm not i'm not going to endorse this like i love it i will listen to it (laughs) might be closeted country music fan but it's not worth 
putting on blast. It's not worth putting my money towards. And I did carry around a lot of like anger towards that part of the, the music world as far as like what they were missing out on. Right. Well, and, and it doesn't have to say that it's like country music doesn't have to come out and say being gay is wrong, right? All they have to do is make every song sung by a man about a woman and every song sung by a woman by about a man. And they, all they have to do is like, make sure that the, the man and the woman end up together by the end of the song or whatever. It's that compulsory heteronormativity, that mm-hmm. explicit Christian content. And when you do have it, you know, wrapped up in, in church like that. Even if the man and the woman or the man or the woman is cheating, which right. is, you know, a popular trend Naturally. in country music always. Uh, and if the man is not doing the woman right, but it's still a woman. Right. Yeah. It's, it's all very mm-hmm. one way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it doesn't have to come right out and say it. It can, it can just be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you at that point start listening to other types of music? Did you discover other genres at that point well i found i found like gay folk music basically like the indigo girls and the less i seek my source for some definitive closer i am to find yeah. melissa etheridge then i listened to katie lang Scars of a childhood in a small town. I kind of did. I went. I went searching for the queer artists, and my and my brother actually introduced me to the Indigo Girls when I was thirteen. And I was like, "This is well." It did. I was like, "This is going to save my life." And it like that album like got me through middle school. I did find the alternative, which I'm very happy about. But it was also like the constant reminder that these people are also not getting the recognition that they deserve because they were gay. And that was always, that was always like just there. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately not everybody has a cool older brother that knows about (laughs) exactly good gay artists. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I, I was, I was blessed with that as well. Yeah, for sure. Honestly, like on some level, thank goodness for TikTok. Mm-hmm. Right. I mm-hmm. think it's helping all the all the baby queers, don't oh, you? Yeah. <laughs> Social media in general, the internet. The internet yeah. also saved my life. Because it was like yeah. when you don't think that there are anybody else like you, but like the three other people in your high school that might have come out and like you're you're like, oh, you get on the internet and there are all these people and you're like, I'm not alone. Yay. And so yeah, the internet I think is I mean, it has its <laughs> It has its challenges, but I think it's it's good for that for sure. Definitely. Yeah. I'm imagining that that feeling in your town of being rejected and mm-hmm. put down. How, when did you leave home? When did you leave that town? I was when I'm I moved away when I was 19 and the basically the first the first moment I could get out, I was out um, that I could afford to leave. And I mean, I only went an hour away, but it was an actual, it was actually, it was a city. So it was not as bad, but I, but I, you know, I dropped out of high school, um, because of it. Like I was, you know, harassed, I was beat up. And so it was like, I had to, I I really did have to like white knuckle it for a couple of years before I could get out and 
And then I did, and I stayed. <laughs> I, I came back a little, a, a couple of times, but after that, I kind of just, I just left. And it was really sad because it is like where I'm from. And mm -hmm. I, you know, and I am, you know, I am Southern and it's like, I really wish that I felt like I could connect with where I was from, but I don't, I don't feel that way still. It's still not welcoming to you. Oh no. I mean, better, mm -hmm. a lot better, but I mean, I've had queer kids from my high school who went to my high school, like call me and thank me because mm -hmm. they're like, thank you for like putting it out there. So we could like come up and like not be too I was I was very loud good for you yeah, I, was, I was very loud about it That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah babe. what do you like about country music what is what is it about it that that sticks with you other than the nostalgia for maybe a simpler time well it's like storytelling at its finest and it's it does romanticize the south and where I'm from and some of the things that that you would find <laughs> enjoyable if you were southern you know like things like that it's time it's timeless and that's another thing the musicians in the genre are phenomenal not saying they're not cross of course cross genre but the instrumentation is probably some of the best mm -hmm. I think other than like classical music I think that right, the instrumentation and the way yeah the talent like it's yeah. it's insane all right this is this was kind of one of my standard questions that I'm probably going to ask all of our guests that come on the show we've already kind of touched on it but do you see yourself represented in country music we talked about Orville Peck and all of that but if there's anything else you wanted to say about seeing yourself as a, as a queer person reflected back to you. I think that, yeah, Orville Peck there's it's yeah. It now, now it, it's there. And there are some of the artists that I've been listening to for a really long time that now have just like broke and are speaking. And I do see queer faces and it. Yeah. It's, it, it, it makes me very hopeful for sure. This may or may not be a thing. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I've, I've been trying to focus on listening to podcasts with queer hosts or that talk about, queer content. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was listening to uh, a couple of people talking about Orville Peck in particular, actually. That was one of their episodes. But but during the course of their conversation, they said something that hadn't occurred to me. They said that sometimes when folks come out that they have this idea that they have to leave behind mm -hmm. music that they used to listen to or movies that they used to watch, that part of their life, they they leave it behind in favor of things that are maybe more exclusively queer inclusive. Mm -hmm. um, have you, is that something that you've encountered? Uh, I mean, I, I know that you've probably had more conversations around coming out than I have. <laughs> is, that, is that like something I, that you've seen? Coming out as a Southern queer is, I understand that concept of being, of having to, or feeling like you're like, you have to leave it behind because mm -hmm of what it was attached to, or if it does remind you, like if it does like trigger you sure. in a way that's negative, I think that I felt like I had to do that. So it was like, like I didn't have a choice, you know? So it was like, because I didn't feel safe. And so I feel like that now it's probably, now it might be more of a choice, a choice to leave that behind. Like these people might be talking about, this is a choice because they, they connect it to something negative and they connect it to not being themselves and things like that. But yeah, I, f I think I felt like I had to, Never that's, that's real. Yeah, no, that's real. A lot of people, when they transition, when, after they come out as trans and they transition, there's a lot of that feeling of leaving that, like leaving that person 
that 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 the person mm-hmm, and leaving it behind and and wanting to forge a new life and that's awesome and i and i i did feel that i did feel the fact that i needed to be who i was because i finally felt like i was and so yeah i could totally see why people would do that for sure. It seems like now you're able to revisit the the country music of your past and mm-hmm. really feel good about it. And that wasn't true always, but it is now. Because of everything that I went through, I had a lot of trauma and I had a lot of addiction. That's how I handled isolation. And then I think that when I stopped drinking and I transitioned, I felt like I was myself. And so it was like a lot easier for me not to give a shit about what anybody thinks, really, even the person who's singing the song. If I enjoy it, I enjoy it. And I'm probably still not going to give you my money, but you know, sure. but yeah, I do feel a lot more confident in just in myself. And so it's a lot easier for me not to get fixated on what other people think about me and what other people want to see from me. Okay. So you can, you can let Alan Jackson into your car and jam out and it Mm -hmm. doesn't matter what he thinks. Exactly. (laughs) Even though I'm sure he's lovely. I don't know. Yeah. You know, he's like, why do I care? Really? But I do know that I did care and that, and if you do care, it hurts. And so it was really nice to be able to realize after I went through therapy and all that, that it was like, oh, okay, no, I was okay then too. And that's what I would say to younger queer people, younger queer people who are Southern or just country music fans, sing your songs and to be themselves and not have to worry about it and not feel like they have to leave behind everything. Yeah. If they don't want to. Right. They yeah. can if they want, yeah. but of course. Well, thank you for that very much mm-hmm. for that insight. Okay. So now I want to talk a little bit about the way that you listen to music <laughs> because <laughs> Very recently, I realized that not everyone listens to music the way that I do. (laughs) I think you and I listen to music fairly similarly. That's part of my, that's part of what fucks me up is that Uh you and I are so similar. I'm just like, oh, well, this is just how everyone is. Everybody does this this way. (laughs) So when, and you can tell me if this is a little bit different from you, but I think this is similar. So when I listen to a song, it's all about the words. And Mm -hmm. if I can't immediately pick up on or make up for myself a narrative that is happening I just can't really connect with the song very strongly at all. Mm -hmm. But I know other folks (laughs) don't necessarily hear the words at all Mm -hmm. the first couple of times that they listen to something. And I have this impression of you as somebody who listens to a lot of music and you find new things constantly and you just have this really incredible eclectic taste. So how do you, Elliot, listen to music? Is it words first, words never, melody, general vibe? What what happens? I think that, well, I think it depends. There's only one right answer. Exactly. <laughs> I, think, I, think it was, I think it depends on the genre because it's like, what am I looking, like, what am I listening for and what am I looking for? God, it sounds so fucking pretentious. I, got, <laughs> I, give, a, I give a song about 30 seconds mm-hmm. if it kicks me and it doesn't have to have words, mm-hmm. but I will lose interest if the words are not like if the lyrics suck, I will I will lose interest pretty quickly. But you can keep me with a good beat. You can definitely hook me too. Like I love I love a good hook. <laughs> I really just like sit around and listen to music pretty much most of the time. And so it's it's gotten to the point now where it's like, yeah, about 30 seconds. And if I don't hear something that's that makes me want to listen more, I there's so much, you know, it's not like just listening to the radio. It's like, oh no, I can listen to everything that came out today. 
Like, oh if you told my 12-year-old ass that I was going to be able to listen to every new release, <laughs> I, well, I wouldn't have done much. I, I would have done what I do now, which is sit around and listen to music. It's really awesome that it's that all kinds of genres and all kinds of music are so like really just at your fingertips. Definitely. And yeah, I, I have to say listeners, it's a real shame that this is an audio medium because Elliot's face at that moment when you said <laughs> about your 12 year old self, that look of just overwhelmed, <laughs> intense delight. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, that's, that's helpful. So mom, when I was talking about the way that I listen to music, that's, that's you, right? It's words for me. Uh, sometimes mm. I don't even notice the music. Um, the rhyme wow. scheme, the cleverness of the words, yes. you know, if mm-hmm. it's something, that's big. if it's an unusual subject, that's likely to make me like it. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That's why I like the PMS song. Yes. So good. But yeah, it, I like a clever lyric. Yeah. I like a story. I like a circle, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I do like the music too. I just, that's secondary to me. Yeah. It, it's the thing that allows you to memorize it faster. Right. Gotcha. <laughs> so you listen to all this music. How do you find it? Do you have websites that you go to? Is it just like Spotify says these things? What is it? I'll go to different websites. And, you know, now that Google can read your mind, I just have artists that pop up and you might also like. like. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like you might even like, shut up, Google. Yeah. I YouTube holes. Mm. Oh, rabbit holes. Yes. YouTube holes. Things being suggested is really nice. Mm -hmm. So I have a question because I know that you like a lot of indie. Do you label surf? Oh, yeah. Totally. <laughs> totally. Yes. A lot of people outside the indie world don't even understand the concept. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I definitely label surf. It's definitely like, okay, what came out on Merge today? I'm loyal. I'm loyal to some some record labels for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> I always wondered that. So what has you excited right now? What is what's on repeat in your headphones, in your car at the moment? At, very, at this moment. Yeah. The new Brandy Carlisle album is amazing. It was produced by Shooter Jennings. So. Your mama is a werewolf with long, sharp teeth. I'm up all night when the world should sleep. So good. And it's like kind of Elton Johnny to it. It is a rock album. Yeah. That, that album's probably, it's probably the best thing that, well, I said that about her last album too, but. I know. Yeah. <laughs> when the moon shines through those partying clouds. Oh, I've been listening to the to a lot of Riot Girl stuff, and I picked up this new band, Tenderheart Bitches from New York. It's old. It's kind of it's like old school '90s girl Riot, and it's fun. So I'm always listening to the Indigo Girls, like always. That's this week. That's what that I listened to this week. <laughs> that was the goal, just yeah. to get like a like a snippet Snip, in yeah, time. Snapshot. <laughs> I asked you to bring with you a playlist of your most favorite 
important formative songs, which I realize now is is a it's a lot to ask of a person. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if I overwhelmed you. No, no, I'm so excited. You've exposed us to so much new stuff. Oh, good. Yeah. For sure. And, and just kind of to give my mom and, and us and the listeners an idea of the stuff that you like, stuff you grew up on. And some of the stuff on that list is country, but a lot of it isn't. And there's some familiar stuff, but there's plenty on there that I had never spent a single moment with. So this was a real good opportunity to, nice. like you say, be uh, exposed to some new things. So listeners, we will be sure to provide the link to that full playlist on our website. For the rest of our time in this interview, Elliot, will you just kind of give us a mini tour through that playlist? We'll pick maybe five or six, uh, maybe five songs Mm -hmm. that are particularly significant to you. And we'll play a little bit of it and then discuss the song as a whole. Uh, Does that sound like a good plan? Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Cool. So where are we going first, man? Well, I think really Johnny Cash's cover of Hurt is, uh, I I probably cry almost every time I hear it still. And and the fact that it was, the fact that it's a Nine Inch Nails song and like what he did to it is. I hurt myself today. To see if I still feel I focus on the pain The only thing that's real The needle tears a hole The old familiar sting Try to kill it all away but I remember everything. Wow. Like that, that's some, that's magic. I really feel like, I feel like that cover is pretty magical and definitely heart crushing. It was such an unusual thing for him to do. It was an unexpected thing for him to do. <laughs> and it really is moving <laughs> and it makes you stand back. <laughs> and you could have it all. like simple he was just so good at being able to tell a story that everybody could listen to and hear and i think it's interesting that you can take an industrial song and make it into basically a country song or a folk song and it also makes you see how versatile things can be how versatile music is but also the fact that so many people liked that cover and then not a lot of people knew that it was a Nine Inch Nails song and and people were like Mm -hmm. a lot of people were like what (laughs) and and I think being able to do that and him being able to deliver that song for for a different audience is pretty incredible definitely the fact that it was him delivering it it got a lot further than someone else might have yes yeah, I get I get goosebumps thinking about it for sure. And I think his struggle with addiction was so mm-hmm. very public. But like even if you didn't know about all of the the drug stuff with him, mm-hmm. 
the his, the truth in his voice and the pain in his voice is so it comes through in such a such an honest way. Mm-hmm. It's, it's lovely. I yes. always think too that that was right about the time that June died mm-hmm. and the pain that that would have caused him sure. that mm-hmm. he may have also been talking about. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, because I don't think he didn't last very long after that, did he? Not they not. were really pretty close. Pretty close, yeah. yeah. What have I become? My sweetest friend Everyone I know Goes away in the end And you could have it all My empire of dirt I will let you down The Body Electric Ooh, by yes. Hooray for the Riff Raff. From, they're from New Orleans. Said you're gonna shoot me down Put my body in the river Shoot me down Put my body in the river While the whole world sings Sing it like a song The whole world sings Like there's nothing going wrong He shot down he put her body in the river he covered her up but i went to get her and i said my girl what happened to you now i said my girl we gotta stop it somehow and you talked about violence against women when we talked about this before that's a great canvas for that to show how prevalent that is i like that song I do, and I feel like it has a little sneaky twist ending. Mm-hmm. That's one that I played several times. That song is, it's again beautiful and heart wrenching, but like so true, and also so brave to be a queer country musician and talking about that, doing it, and then actually just kind of throwing it in people's faces and being like, this needs to be talked about. I think that the murder ballad myths were some of country's most beloved Mm -hmm. Knoxville girl. Yeah. (laughs) And a lot of people don't realize, sometimes they're like, wait, what? You hear it, you know, when you're a little bit older and you're like, like, this is about a man killing a woman. I think her being in the scene too and knowing, I can't even imagine what she's encountered but it needed to happen it needs to keep happening for sure maddie's gonna shoot me down put my body in the river cover me up with the leaves of september like an old sad song you heard it all before well deal is gone but i'm settling the score you're talking about the the like twist ending that's classic Marilyn catnip if your song has a sneaky twist that's ending true. she will be there for it for <laughs> sure <laughs> that's that's most attractive to me mm-hmm. but yeah I, I think it is super necessary to keep turning these murder ballads on their heads and mm-hmm. just calling them out oh, I 
His Pontiac by the Everybody Fields. Mama, there's a boy outside. He's come to take me away. That old Pontiac looks like a Cadillac today. I'm glad that we've had, this is our second chance at this because it gave me all that space to listen to these songs mm-hmm. because I had a hard time getting through all of them the first time because there were so many. I gave them there to was you a lot. On, partly on me. I gave them to you on a Wednesday and we had a recording on a Friday. So that was but my bad. You know, it gave me a lot of time to live with the list and mm-hmm. to listen to it. And I've got a lot of new favorite songs now. Oh, nice. <laughs> that makes me really happy. And that's one of them. I, oh, that, I like yeah. the, his Pontiac and the story that it tells. Yeah. The coming of age basically telling your mom telling telling her telling her mother that he's that he's gonna go she's gonna go with this dude doesn't really matter i'm i'm just gonna go like whatever you say doesn't matter i'm gonna go and he's looking really it's looking really shiny right now even though he's not shiny oh yeah yeah that pontiac looks (laughs) like a cadillac right now yeah exactly exactly says he's got a ring he can give me better things than songs are not the same, but it reminded me a little bit of that Sarah Evans song, Suds in the Bucket, uh-huh. <laughs> where the white truck pulls up and she's just like, bye. Yep. <laughs> she was in the backyard, say it was a little past nine. When a prince pulled up, a white pickup truck. I mean, obviously the spirit of those two songs are completely different, but that's, that's it, right? You like hit a certain point and you're just like, I'm I'm out. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Cannot. Taking the first train out of here. Bye. Yeah. Even if it's somebody that I definitely shouldn't be getting out of here with. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and I think that's a big thing in country music, mm-hmm. leaving the coming of age, the leaving the, mm-hmm. you know, cowboy take me away, oh, yeah. wide open spaces. Yeah. Both of those, right? Yeah. Real, yeah. Huh? <laughs> uh-huh. It's funny because you hear a lot, you do hear a lot of that from female country artists about like, I'm out. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gone.
I think that the way that she went about writing the song is just, again, it's pretty heartbreaking, but it's also just, it's beautiful. And it's real, real, like real. It is real. Yeah, you definitely feel like it's a snapshot. Exactly. You're looking in somebody's windows. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yes. And the next one is, oh, yeah. Crayola, does it make a color for your eyes? I wasn't sure if you were going to want to talk about that one again, but oh. uh, we we loved it so much. I love that song. It's, it's just so good. I, I don't see it. It's such a, it's an unusual subject again, and I love that. It's like my, if I'm having a bad day, it will really like get me going because it's it's so high energy and it's real cute. It's and sweet. The, the lyrics are so super sweet. sweet. I went to see the doctor. I'd come down with the blues. She said that I can't cure you, but here's something you could do. Take out a piece of paper and go sit down for a while and draw a pretty picture of something that makes you smile. Well, I know what makes me happy. I didn't have to think for long, but when I tried to draw it, it always came out wrong. I, I live for stuff like that, though. I'm like, please make me feel warm and fuzzy inside. That sounds awesome. <laughs> sounds like a Sarah song, too. <laughs> yep. Because of the, oh, all the colors. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. I, th I do remember having Crayola struggles. I had a box of 12, 48, and 64. But nowhere could I find that one shade I was looking for. I guess I realized, should have come as no surprise. Crayola doesn't make color for your eyes. Actually, being really overwhelmed by a box of Crayola because it is just so many different colors mm -hmm. and being like, but which one? They all look so nice together. I don't know which one to single out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, it's Periwinkle. So sure I got it now. But you wink and there's a twinkle in your eye. And still somehow I just can't get that sparkle. Those glitter crayons won't maybe glow in the dark. You get it right? Oh, no, they don't. Mr. Crayola tries, but I'm left to fantasize. Crayola doesn't make a color. It reminds me of the from Pitch Perfect. Yeah, the, mm -hmm. the, the cup that thing song. at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I got my ticket for the long way round. Two bottle of whiskey for the way. They're clapping and snapping or something mm -hmm. yeah. while they're doing it. Yeah, it's that and a guitar, I think it's all, all they did. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's super but pared it's, down. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it really is. Um, Romeo and Juliet. Hell yeah. Love struck Romeo. Sings the streets so serenade. He's laying everybody low. He's got a love song that he made. He finds a convenient street light and he, he steps out of the shade and he says something like, You and me, baby. How about it? Juliet says, Hey, it's Romeo. He nearly gave me a heart attack, yeah, well, he's underneath my window, now she's singing, hey, la, my boyfriend's back. It's a cover song of a Dire Straits song. I didn't is know it? that. Mm -hmm. Oh. It's a Dire Straits song, but Amy Ray's version is so much better. There's a but. lot of passion in her version. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Juliet, the dust loaded 
this song When you gonna realize It's just that the time was wrong Julie It's just, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like Sometimes I don't tell people that it's a cover, even though no offense to our straights. But yeah, sometimes I don't tell people it's a cover and a lot of people don't think it's a cover. And I would never have guessed because mm-hmm. it's very on brand for them. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Indigo Girls. And the, the original is, I don't know, it's not off brand, but it's a lot different. Juliet, the dice was loaded from the start. And I bet many you exploded. So the original is a lot different than than hers. She's very, it's very impassioned. That's what I like about it. And it's also one of the first songs that I ever heard that I heard a queer person sing. And even though she didn't write it, I think that is the first song that I heard that of a, a woman singing about a woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's yeah. huge. And so I think that I really connected with that song. Can't do a love song. Not the way you sung to me. Can't do anything, but I would do anything for you. Oh, no. I can't do anything except in love with you. Yeah, now all I do is miss you and the way it used to be, you know. And all I do is keep the beats. I keep bad, bad company. And all I do is kiss you through the bars of this rhyme when Julie. something that we're starting to see happen in in more mainstream country oh gosh I'll have to refresh myself but I, I read a story the other day about a country music singer that came out and then his career didn't go super well after that shockingly yeah but he was able to play shows after that and sing the correct pronouns in the songs right and say That's you huge. know I'm thinking about him and his eyes and whatever. And just being able to just change those few little letters, that little tiny word, it does. It makes all the difference. Hey, guys. Ty Herndon here. You know, this song's always been very special to me. 25 years ago, I walked in the studio and recorded this song. And now I'm about to sing it for you the way I wish I could have sang it for you then. Oh, he will still be gone. His eyes are blue. His hair was long at 64. He was born in Baton Rouge. His favorite song was in my life. I memorized his every move. I knew his books, his cars, clothes. But I paid no attention to what it's funny because it it makes the difference in being able to express yourself. It also makes a difference of why you do want to get people's pronouns right and why you do want to respect that because it's so big for people when they can't mispronouning someone or not not really respecting someone's pronouns or letting someone express the way that they feel using pronouns that are that you some people might not agree you know agree with. I think that it's so interesting how huge those, like you said, two, three letter words sure. that are just life changing and also like life saving. And so, yeah, definitely. That is, that's so cool though, that that's the first queer, <laughs> queer person singing to another queer person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Julie, 
Step out of the shade and he'll say something like, You and me, babe, how about it? Listeners, there are so many other songs on that list that we highly recommend. Elliot, as we have said, has excellent taste in music. So definitely uh, make that playlist something that you give at least a passing glance, if not a full listen through. And it takes me a while to absorb a song to to bond to a song, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I passed over some of them the first time Mm -hmm. and thought that there was nothing there for me. Yeah. But when I listened again, there was something there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So give it more than a chance. Give it a few chances. Yeah. I I do try to re-listen to things. I always try to go back to things. There's definitely out like whole albums that I've been like, what was I doing? Oh, I was not in a I wasn't in a good mood. When this album came out, I was not in a good mood. And so I had to go like I I left it. But then like 10 years later, five years later, you're like, oh, yeah, this album's amazing. Or it might just be that something happened or that you have done more life, you have lived more life. (laughs) And it's like, oh, now I can actually relate to this. I love that because it does make it really hard to run out of things to to find. Well, Elliot, you are a musician yourself. So if you don't mind talking a little bit about what kinds of music do you play? Do you do you write your own songs? I have in the past. I haven't written a song in a few years. That was what I got introduced to as a, a very small child. I was in court. I was in choir. I was in church choir. And so I was in church choir from the time, well, pretty much up until 10th grade. And I started writing songs when I was 14, wow. 13 or 14, and played out uh, solo for about seven years. And then I was in a punk band for a little while with my brother. And it was really, it was really sweet. But yeah, I, I, st- I still write stuff. I don't really play out anymore. Um, I have been doing more, I guess you would call it producing more electronic stuff just because it's easier to do by yourself, especially in COVID times, it's hard to get people in a room together and sing and breathe heavy. And so <laughs> it's, <laughs> but I am very, I'm looking forward to when I can't, I miss it for sure. So, and it's, it's been, it's been a part of my life, my, like for my entire life. Yeah. I, I wondered about that. I knew that, that you were a musician. I just didn't realize that you had been in a punk band with your brother. Oh That's yeah. So, cool. mm-hmm. <laughs> so we talked about that you know, the music that we love isn't always there for us, but let's talk. And it's possible that we've maybe already covered this a little bit, but let's talk if we can maybe go around, go around the circle and share about a specific time in your life when music has been there for us, right? Where, when you have felt particularly seen by a song in the moment, it seems like your playlist is probably made up of quite a few of those. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was very hard. I was like, Sarah. I know. It's going to be three days long. I, <laughs> I realized after I asked you to do it, I was like, I should probably try to do this myself. And I was like, oh shit, that is a long list. <laughs> it it's is like, hard to pare get... it down. Mm-hmm. Cause there are, they're like whole albums that you're like, oh no, that was on repeat for like five years. Yes. <laughs> like that lived in my car for three years. Like yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> well, can, can you share with us one more particular time? I mean, we talked about Romeo and Juliet it was a really significant moment, but is there another time in particular that that the music was super there for you oh yeah I think that Riot Girl was 
there for, I think, a, a lot of queers and a lot of girls in the 90s and still. But yeah, I think w- seeing that move, that movement, and it was more of a movement. And so I feel like that and it was it held a lot of people and it fed a lot of people and it did get a lot of queer voices out and a lot of queer ladies out yeah. and and it was you know and it was it was ladies at the front like that was the whole thing is like oh, yeah. if you went that was the rule if you were if you went to a bikini kill show kathleen hannah would escort you probably herself to the back of the room you know like that kind of thing okay let's let's go a little bit there when you say a riot girl for folks who may not be familiar that's a that's a movement within it's a genre it's, it's a movement and a, it's a genre it's okay. within the punk rock scene okay and that's it, girl g-r-r-l mm-hmm. okay yep if you want to look it up, riot G R R L. Exactly. Y'all. Okay. And it 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 came. I mean, it came around like with with garage punk and like and you know Nirvana and like all like all that stuff was was at the same time and pretty much in the same area. Oh, wow. And so it all kind of came out of the same place. What area was that? Seattle. Okay. Yeah, Pacific Northwest, like Washington, Olympia. Kathleen Hanna, who was in Bikini Kill, who was one of well, I guess probably the one of the loudest and the most well-known people that were a part of the riot girl movement and still are was like really good friends with Kirk. So it was like a lot of those people came out of the same area. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the, the idea was that women would be to the front of the show. It was focusing on how male centric music in general was, but I think it was also calling out, it was calling out the community. Like it was calling out the music community at large, like the punk scene, the rock scene and how misogynistic it was and how you couldn't get a show if you were a girl and how it was also getting to the front of the, like being able to see the show, like (laughs) actually, like actually just being able to see the show. And I think that when they came in and they took over these fucking spaces that had been run by men it was a boys game and they came up and were real pissed off about it and it was great you know <laughs> and they were like fuck y'all go to the back and all the girls come up just so we can see movements and genres that I noticed was singing to a actual audience. They were like, I'm singing to women in general, queer in music and art. It helped move rock music and punk music in that direction. I think Yeah, it did. It called out a lot of the dudes. It called out a lot of dudes being dudes. They'd never heard it before. They were ruling. And so like when these girls came up, some of them had three or four bands. Some of them were in like three different (laughs) bands, you know? And so it was... It was really awesome to see that and to, to watch it build and yeah. to watch people still reference Bikini Kill. It's still happening, which I think is really, and, and it's also like coming back, which I think is really, really cool. That is very cool. I sent you the video, Mom, of the Linda Lindas. Mm-hmm. A little while before we went into lockdown, a boy in my class came up to me and said that his dad told him to stay away from Chinese people. After I told him that I was Chinese, he backed away from me. Eloise and I wrote the song based on that experience. So this is about him and all the other racist, sexist boys in this world. You saw that. Great. Oh my God. They're so good. Amazing.
direct line from that. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, totally. They're on Epitaph, so it's like they're the the label that they're oh, on word. also have now started signing a bunch of women of color and bands of color. It seems like they've taken it on themselves to do better. Good for them. Yeah, yeah. The Linda Lindas have a like they have an like a, sh- a show on YouTube yeah. and they interview people. Like they just interviewed Carrie Bernstein from uh, Slater Kinney, Carrie's who was also now, black girl. Portlandia. Portlandia. Okay. Yeah. So Carrie Bernstein is the the lady from Portlandia. Brownstein. Oh my God. Did I say that? Yeah. Brownstein. Carrie Brownstein of Portlandia, but also was in. Is in Slater Kinney. Slater Kinney. Which is a right girl punk band. Yeah. No, she they just came out with an album. face y'all. <laughs> if you haven't watched her in concert, she is amazing she like jumps off of the kicks the yeah. guitar just everything still, about it still yeah oh yeah not necessarily a spring chicken but she is still killing it <laughs> she launching herself off of amps and stuff like oh that oh my god dude <laughs> it's like still being punk you're like well she's still punk i respect that Well, mom, do you have a particular example of of when music was there for you? Well, let's see. The thing that first comes to my mind is there's a person that at the time I was having a really hard time with, very frustrating. And every day there would be a thing. There would be a drama. There would be a power struggle. And Tom Petty has a song called I Didn't Ask For You. And it's really (laughs) edgy and aggressive and I didn't ask for you (laughs) and I would go down the road playing that song really loud and screaming along with it (laughs) yes he also has that one uh what are you doing in my life maybe I think it's the same song is it oh is it yeah yeah it's the same song that's different lyric uh, and probably that's the name of it and I've just forgotten it's what are you doing in my life what are you doing in my life I didn't ask for you Well, I think that my example is very granular. It's like a particular song. Nice. I had just split up and this actually happened to me multiple times in my life, but this, this particular time was, I think the most significant, but I had just split up with a boyfriend 2016 Trump had recently been elected president, which was God fucking awful. And I was starting to come to terms with the fact that I had been in an abusive relationship and that the things he told me about myself were not true. And I was just trying to wrap my head around all of that. And I felt really solid about the breakup. I knew it was the right thing to do. I wasn't wanting to like go back and be together with him again, but there was still this part of me that loved him. That was really sad about this relationship. I had put so much energy into coming to an end. And at that time, I had to be at work at five in the morning every day. So I was driving down the road. It's really dark out and I'm listening to to Kiel's Country on the on the radio (laughs) and Little Big Town comes on and their song Better Man had just been released. So it was just getting a lot of radio play every hour on the hour practically. So I I caught it at 5 a.m. And that was the first time I'd actually really paid attention to it. I know. I'm probably better off on my own than loving a man who 
didn't know what he had when he had it and i see the permanent damage you did to me never again i just wish i could forget when it was magic i wish it wasn't for him standing in the mirror saying to myself you know you had to do it i know the bravest thing i about that song was exactly what I was feeling in that moment. It just, it struck this nerve with me and just suddenly there were just like tears <laughs> running down my face, <laughs> driving down the road at five in the morning. That's what I think of. It just, that the right song comes out or comes on at exactly the right moment. And you're just like, oh fuck. It's like free therapy. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like free therapy. And I think that also just thinking about breakups and deaths and things like that, getting through traumatic and or just like sad times and what music has just propelled me forward through things and maybe not fast but like through it thinking about that and saying you knew that this was a good idea but if you didn't hear that song mm -hmm. what would have happened Who like knows? yeah and so I think it makes it was such a reinforcement it sounds like mm -hmm. yeah yeah and when I felt weakened in my resolve that was a place I could go back to if I needed it And it, it makes you feel seen and it makes you feel like you're not alone. Yeah, absolutely. Which is music's magic power. Exactly. It is one of its many magic powers. Well, that's all my material, but if you guys just want to hang out for 13 more hours. Let <laughs> <laughs> me tell you how, how much I enjoy uh, the Indigo Girls ghost. Oh, gosh. That's just so pretty. Pretty. So pretty. I love that image of the Mississippi River. Emily is a poet. She is just a poet. Her lyrics are beautiful. She can paint a picture real easy. And there's 
16 albums of it. <laughs> yeah. And it's all original Enduro. That's amazing. Yeah. They've been around a long time. I remember mm-hmm. knowing about them when you were little. Mm-hmm. So this is early 90s. Uh, 88. Because we were, um, my boyfriend at the time took me and you with his daughter to Richmond, Virginia. Huh where he had a friend and we spent a long weekend there and Indigo Girls were popular at that time. It's the first time I'd ever heard of them was then. Mm-hmm. And we listened to some of that music then. Oh, that was, yeah, that was, it was brand new then. The first album came out in 89. Uh-huh. So yeah. So did Sarah. I did. There you go. <laughs> came along with it. <laughs> well, look, thank you so much for mm-hmm. bringing your musical expertise and your stories with you. We so appreciate you again, donating your <laughs> time to this podcast listeners we thank you so much for tuning in and hanging out with us and we hope you'll tune in again next time any pithy outros mother we need to have pithy outro i know we didn't i didn't prepare pithy outro there you go that's it we'll let elliot have that